Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Reading Project Podcast. I'm so excited to have you all here today listening. I'm going to be talking with Laura Keybart. Laura was actually a speaker in my recent Teachers Make Money online summit, and I actually contributed to her recent summit for middle school English and language arts teachers. So I was really excited to be able to have her come on the podcast and just continue to share her wisdom with all of my listeners. So Laura serves super busy middle school English and language arts teachers and parents who have active lives outside of teaching or homeschooling. She works with teachers and parents who cherish their personal family time and who refuse to sacrifice one more precious moment prepping for each day's lessons. Laura pulls from her 20 years of teaching experience along with her curriculum design degree to create meaningful reading and writing lessons that engage kids while saving 10 or more hours a week on prep time. So that's amazing, right? And I think any busy mom or, you know, homeschooling mom teacher wants to know more about how to save time, especially when it comes to educating our kids. We're all doing a lot of things and wearing a lot of hats. So I know she's going to share a lot of really great information with us today. We are specifically going to talk about how to have conversations about novels with your kids when maybe you haven't even read it yet. So I know I talk to parents sometimes who say they don't feel like they can keep up with the reading that their middle schooler is doing. And so we're going to sort of dive into that topic today. So, you know, why is it important to have conversations with your kids about what they're reading, what kinds of questions to ask them, what to do when you haven't read it, and so much more, truly. So stay tuned. And let's go ahead and dive in and start talking to Laura. All right, let's go. Welcome to the Reading Project Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Ashley DiMercurio from Your Reading Tutor, LLC. I am a private reading tutor, podcaster, virtual summit host, and business mentor. I'm also a wife and a homeschooling mama to my two kiddos. My mission is to help families, caregivers, and educators build stronger and more confident readers one episode at a time. I want you to know that you don't have to be a teacher to help your struggling reader. Over the last few years, I have helped dozens of families and students, including my own son, move from being reluctant to confident readers. And I'm here to show you that you can too. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the podcast. I'd love to know you're out there. So take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and share it on Instagram. Tag me at your reading tutor. Okay, let's do it. All right, everyone. I am so excited to have Laura here with me today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Laura. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ashley. It's good to be here. All right. So let's get started by talking a little bit more just about your background and your experience in the world of education. Sure. So I have been a teacher for 20 years and most of that was at the high school level. So I taught all levels of English language arts, reading, writing at the high school level, did that for nine years. And then I shifted to the middle school level because that is such a fun age. And I, I was seeking out a change. And so working with, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth graders. So I've pretty much taught everything from six through 12 at some point. I was also an, an instructional coach, coaching teachers through a lot of the reading writing strategies that we need to meet our students' needs and to grow our students. 
And so that's my formal background, but I also do a lot in the online space now with both teachers and parents and families looking to help our older students when it comes to reading, writing, engagement, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned in the introduction that you participated in the recent summit that we had here at your reading tutor and I participated in your recent summit and it's just been really awesome to get to know you and hear more about all the amazing things you're doing. Yeah, I know this is not the first time that we've sat down for a chat. So we've had several conversations over the last several months about all kinds of topics. So when we're talking about reading and our older students, that's something I'm very passionate about. So I'm happy to have this conversation with you too. Awesome. Well, I'm curious to hear why you think it's important to have conversations with your kids about the books they're reading, because I definitely talk about this a lot. And it's one of the tips I always give my clients and the parents when they are working with me and they want to know, you know, how can I improve comprehension or what can I do to help? I say like, just have great conversations, you know, about the books you're reading. So I'd love to hear your take on that. So there are a couple of reasons that it's so important to have conversations with with your older students, your older children about what they're reading. And it's not all academic. So first of all, we'll talk about the academic component. Research shows that those who do the talking, those who do the speaking are the ones who are processing and thinking and solidifying their learning. And so when you talk with your child about what they're reading, It's more about giving them a way to articulate what it is that they are taking away from the book. It's not about right or wrong. It's not about, well, man, you know, as a parent, I'm not sure that I even know what to ask. Did you like the book? Okay, now what else do I ask? Like, I don't even know what to say or what to ask. But when you start asking questions about what they're reading, what they think about, what they're excited about, what they're looking forward to, what they don't like, you're simply giving them a way to articulate their thoughts about the reading. And when they have a chance to articulate what it is they think about the reading that solidifies their own learning about the book. And so from an academic standpoint, it is a way to help them process their own learning. A lot of times I found that students, myself included, actually, now that I think about it, a lot of times we don't really know what we think about something until we have the chance to either sit down and write about it or when we're actually engaged in a conversation about it. Sometimes things come out, oh, I can't believe I said that. Yeah, that, that is that is what I really think. Wow, I didn't realize that until I said it, or I didn't realize that until I actually wrote it down. Huh. Or, ooh, wait, let me take that back. That's not actually what I meant. Let me think about this for a minute. What am I trying to say? Those types of thinking is really powerful for a child. And so that's that's the academic component. Now, as far as our older kids go, it's normal for them to start pulling away from us, right? I think about my own at home with this, as they get older, they, they start pulling away and that so many feelings around that as they get older, but books and talking about books, talking about what they're reading as a really good entry level, low barrier of entry to just bringing that conversation, bring that relationship back to where it needs to be in a very safe, natural way, just talking about what you're reading. And so that's really good from a family perspective, especially as your kids get older and they're kind of pulling away or why are they in the rooms all the time? Why don't they talk to me anymore? You know, you can talk about what you're reading. That's like a quote, safe topic. You know, I'm not asking you about the other kids or your friends. I'm not not judging you or, uh, you know, criticizing you. We're just talking about that book you're reading. And so that's, that's a, that's always a feel good moment in your household when you can do that. Absolutely. I also was thinking as you were saying that 
it could potentially give you insight into your child's mind, you know, what they think about a certain topic or social emotional situation that like, if you had just said, oh, you know, did you hear about this? Or are your friends doing that? You know, they might've put up a wall, but if they read about it in like a young adult novel, and then there, you can kind of say, well, what did you think about that character? How would you have handled it? You know? Wow. How do you feel about that? Have you ever known anyone? Wow. I can't believe that either. Yeah. A very non-defensive way, because we're not talking about you. We're not talking about your friends or your choices. We're talking about the book, but you're right, Ashley, because through those conversations about the book, you can get a lot of insight into what they're wondering about, what they're not sure about, what maybe they're struggling with too. That's a great segue into the next part, which is what are the best kinds of academic questions to ask and how should parents handle it if they just haven't been able to read, you know, all the same books that their kids are reading? Yeah, there's no possible way to read all the same books your kids are reading, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a parent, there's no way. And so you can still have really in-depth conversations about books just by asking your kids questions about the setting, about the characters, about what motivates a character, about plot. And you don't have to have have a, a teaching degree or a degree in English like I do to be able to do this. Just keep asking questions that are open-ended, not those yes or no questions, open-ended. And when your child answers the question or when they're kind of thinking through, right, like they're processing as they explain things to you, think about what you're curious about. Well, why did that character do that? Well, was he mad at that other guy? Well, just get really curious about what's happening and you can read your kid's body language. I mean, if they're feeling frustrated, like, oh, I just want to get back to my book. Okay. Then, you know, shut it down. Let them get back to the book. But in, in small doses, you know, whether it's throughout the day, throughout the week, you can, you can ask questions like, well, tell me about the setting of the book. Like, where's it taking place right now? Oh, is that the setting for the whole book or does the setting change? And it's not about you knowing if your child is right or wrong. It's about giving your child an opportunity to just talk about what they're reading. Yeah. And then the character did this, the character did that. Oh, well, tell me about that character. Is that, is that kind of, is that how she is in the book? Well, you know, and then they'll explain, well, why would she do that? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I guess it's a mystery, huh? Yeah. You have to let me know what happens in the next chapter. So you can ask questions about conflict, you know, is that something the character has been struggling with the whole time? Or is that new? Oh no, that's a new problem because this other girl came in on the scene. And so thinking about setting, thinking about characters, thinking about conflicts, if you think of it this way, think of it like the characters in the book are people your child knows in real life. Just, just kind of tell yourself that as a parent. Okay. Now what are the questions you would ask? Oh my gosh, you would have so many questions, right? especially if you think of those characters in the book as people you've never met before. Who is my child hanging out with every day? Wouldn't that give you a ton of questions to ask? (laughs) Yes, it would. (laughs) And so that can help you too. What's your favorite part of the book right now? Or what's like a really funny passage? Like, oh, you know, I need, I need something funny today. Make me laugh. Is, Is there anything funny in your book? Maybe there's not. Okay but um, maybe there is. Oh yeah, it's really funny. Let me show you the page. This one, this one kid in the book. Oh, he says this and that. And so you're giving them positive experiences in talking about the book. And, it, and again, it has nothing to do with you reading about it. You can also make connections to the book when other things are happening. So something is on the news or you're out somewhere and you see something happen. You could address that issue by bringing in like cycling in the book, you know, 
like you yourself as a parent, you could say, oh, that reminds me of what happened in a book I read recently. Yeah. Or that reminds me of what happened in an article that I was reading. Wow. Yeah. That's the same thing. Do you see anything like that in your book? You don't? Oh, okay. You, oh, you do? Oh, well, tell me about it. So just look for things in your world. Look for things happening in the media you're consuming or look for things happening at, you know, at the grocery store, whatever. And it's not that you're talking about the book every second of the day. I probably, maybe that's what it sounds like I'm saying. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, just kind of be open to authentic ways to just bring up, bring up the book, especially if it's a series. That's the best when your kids can get involved in a series, because then they're going to be even more willing to talk about it because now they're invested in it. So just a few ideas you can get started with there. Yeah. I love that you brought up making connections because I think that's a great way to talk about a book with your kiddo. If you haven't read the book by, if you can connect it to some other book you read, right. You can say, well, that, that reminds me of this book. I read once and talk to them about that. And they might really get into that conversation of, oh yeah, that's really similar or mm, you're wrong, mom. It doesn't sound that, that doesn't sound the same, you know, <laughs> and they'll have all kinds of conversations about those connections. And then also change. I love that you said asking about, is the setting going to change? Or if they're talking about the character and the way the character is behaving, I think that's a great opportunity to say a similar, like, is the character, does she always act like that? Or is that a new behavior? Because I know as educators, we're thinking about like character traits and character development and, you know, the characters in a book and why do they do these things? And sometimes it's hard, I think, for kids to recognize that oh, wow, this character is acting totally different now than they did in the beginning. And what happened? And what caused that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, something else you can do too is, <clears throat> you know, another good question to ask is, okay, well, so far, like, mom, I'm only in chapter two. I don't know anything right now. Like, okay, I just got shut down. Um, but, but another question in that case would be like, well, so is the book what you thought it would be? Like, is it like starting out? Is it what you thought it would be? Or that's a really good question to ask too. If they're like, oh, I hate this book. Do I have to keep reading this? Which my answer to that is no, you don't go find another book. I put books down. I abandoned books all the time. Um, there are too many to suffer through one that you're just not feeling. But, um, you know, another good question to ask related to that, you know, oh, I don't like this book. I don't know if I want to keep reading it is, well, so far is, is it what you thought it would be? Um, you know, look at the front cover, look at the back, look, you know, is there anything in there about the author? I mean, so sometimes that can give kids an outlet too for their frustration when they don't like a book. Um, it can help them kind of process when to abandon a book, when to go ahead and give it another few chapters or another chapter to see if they can get into it. Um, so that's something else I like to do too. Part of the discussion with kids about books is when is it okay to abandon a book? So I had to bring that up too here as well. Yeah, I think that's really important to point out. And there's, I feel like there's probably two camps on that, right? There are people who just, they, once they start, they have to finish. Um, but I'm with you. I feel like it's totally fine to move on if you're not enjoying it because there really is, there are so many out there to, to try. So it doesn't make sense to waste time. Um, suffering unless it's an assignment, I suppose, right? <laughs> if you, uh, you have to read it for school. Right. Right. That's true. That is kind of a different animal. And then you have to start having those conversations about perseverance and following through with what you have to do. And yes, not every single thing we do in life is going to be fun. So what can we do to make it bearable? You know, can we set up a schedule for ourselves? Can we set up a timer to see how quickly we can read it without losing comprehension? And can we kind of, can we beat that time or, you know, like those things we have to do as adults too, that we don't want to do. And we have to kind of trick ourselves into 
just getting it, like you have to get it done at some point. So, so you already gave a little bit of information about how to discuss novels without taking away the joy of reading. You mentioned parents can notice their child's body language. And if it seems like they're not into the conversation, you can redirect, but do you have any other tips for families? as they're sort of starting to have these conversations, how do they do it without killing the joy? Um, you know, I think it, it doesn't have to be something that is super consistent or structured or rigid. So it doesn't have to be like, okay, at 4.30 every day, we are going to sit down and we're going to discuss that book. Okay, that sounds like a punishment. Like I already feel threatened, but it could be something more like, you know, maybe every other day we do a check-in and you just call it like a check-in and you could model this as a parent. So this is the book that I'm reading and here's why I'm not liking it right now. Here's why I'm thinking about abandoning it, but here's, what's kind of cool about it. So I'm going to, I'm going to just give it a couple more chapters. Like you can model that. Okay. Now, okay. It's time for your check-in. I did my check-in. Okay. You do your check-in. How are you feeling about this book? Oh my gosh. I love it, but it's just so long. Like I'm having trouble getting through, you know, just being able to open up that conversation just to have a conversation. So that could be something that's an every other day thing. A lot of times having conversations with kids without losing the joy, without making them feel like reading is a punishment. And it's this thing I have to check off is talk about the book during a time that you're actually doing something else. So you're out together, walking the dog, you're running some errands together, or, you know, something to where you're not physically face-to-face looking at each other. That can be something, you know, for a kid who's already thinking, oh, I hate this book. Oh, we have to do that check-in thing again. Oh, it's Wednesday. I don't want to do this on Wednesday. I don't want to talk about the book. Maybe have that conversation, have that check-in during a time, like I said, that you're, you're not actually dedicating to the book. So that can be really helpful too, because I think there's something psychologically positive about being next to each other or not, not face-to-face, but just kind of being next to each other, doing some other activity. It kind of takes the pressure off. And so uh, the most difficult conversations I've had before have been while I'm walking the dog you know, whether with my husband, with my daughter, with whatever, it's, there's just something that, that opens it up to where we can talk a little bit more uh, genuinely. So that would be one thing right there. Now in your schedule and calendar as a parent, you could go ahead and kind of plot those out. Like, okay, this is not working. I can't, we can't do this every day. Maybe just twice a week, we'll try a check-in. You could go ahead and put that in your calendar, but it's not something that you have to like announce ahead of time to your child. So try to find other activities so that you can discuss what's going on uh, during those other activities. And also I think giving choice is always really good too. So if you are a parent of a child who has trouble getting into a book, just can't get them into a book. Now, once they're in the book, they're okay, but that can definitely be a challenge. And so in that case, let's give them some choice, present three or four books and have them maybe read the first page, just the first page of each one, which one is kind of drawing you in. It's the author's job to hook you in from the beginning. Something else that's pretty fun. And that is not a whole lot of work. It's just fun is you could do this in a bookstore in a library. Um, you could even do it online. A lot of times Amazon will have like the first page available for the books. Uh, you can look at a preview, but you pick or your child picks or whatever, let's say, uh, let's say five, that's an easy number. Um, and all they are allowed to do is read the first sentence of each book, like back to back to back, just read the first sentence. There is going to be a book where they'll say, okay, hang on. Can I just read a little bit more? (laughs) I've had really good results with that as a teacher 
doing that in my classroom, like lay down the law. You can only read the first sentence. That is it. And then you will see kids who brag up and down about how they've never read a book. They're in ninth grade. They've never read a book. And it's fun because a lot of times those are the ones like, uh, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, I just want to read the rest. Hang on. But when you give kids a selection like that, um, and you put like some goofy parameters around it, like only the first sentence, like, what do you mean? Are you going to cover it up? No, but I'm just telling you, read only the first sentence of these five books, which one stands out to you? Which one do you like? I guess you could say it kind of gamifies it for them a little bit. And when you tell them not to do something, okay, now they're going to want to do it. So, <laughs> so tell them not to read the rest of the page, just the first sentence, just something to make it a little bit different, something to kind of surprise them. And from there, you can sort of move into, well, okay, if you had to read the rest of the page of any of these books, which one would you just want to read the rest of the page? Okay, which one would you want to read just, just the first chapter? And so you're giving them a lot of choice, a lot of say in the matter in terms of what they want to read next. So that's, that's another fun way to give students choice, give your children um, choice about what they're reading and to continue talking about books. You know, well, what, what did you like about that first sentence that you read? Oh, it was really mysterious. Like it makes you want to keep going or it was really funny or I don't know. It just sounds, it just seems like really quirky. I don't know. I might like this character. I don't know. And it's okay for them to say, I don't know. That's the typical answer, right? I don't know. Well, okay. I, you know, <laughs> you, you can run with that. So. Okay. And any other ideas for giving students more say and more choice in, in what they're reading at home? Yeah. I think also really talking about and giving them opportunities to see and experience all the different genres of books. Now, if you're not an English teacher, that may be an unfamiliar term to you, but think about a genre of TV shows or movies. You've got comedy, you've got, you know, horror, I can't say that word, horror. You've got uh, nonfiction. So think about all the different categories of movies or TV shows or Netflix or whatever. Present those options to your kids. Reading does not have to be just fiction. It doesn't have to be just novels. And so often we think, well, my kids don't read. My kids don't read. Well, actually they, they are reading just because they're not reading a novel doesn't mean they're not reading. So what, what are they reading that's interesting? And you know, I've, I've had kids in the classroom who, oh, they just, oh, I hate books. I hate books. I hate books. I've never read a full novel, but then you get to know them and you come to find out, oh, he loves to read all this nonfiction stuff. He's always in this particular section of the library. Well, that is fine. So Ashley, like when you asked me, you know, what, what else can you do to give students choice with reading, give them choice with genres of books. It does not always have to be a novel. There may be parents out there right now listening who have kids who do not like novels. Maybe even when they were itty bitty, they just weren't really into the storybooks. They just weren't into the chapter books. They just weren't into the novels. It doesn't mean that they're not readers. It could be that they prefer the nonfiction types. Totally fine. So then all the strategies that we just talked about today, okay, go do that for nonfiction. Now, obviously nonfiction, you're not going to talk about characters and why characters are doing something, but there are other things that you can talk about. There are other types of questions and discussions that you can have for nonfiction. Does the author seem really well qualified to be writing about this topic? What's their background? And that can spark a lot of interest in, oh, I don't know. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. She was a marine biologist for 20 years. This is what she writes about. Oh, what else does she write about? Um, does she just do books or does she do articles too? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I should look. Maybe you should look. <laughs> And so those are other types of questions for nonfiction types of reading. So when it comes to choice, when we're talking about choice, it's not just 
novel choice. Well, what if your child does not like novels? Okay, that's, that's fine. Expose them to all different kinds of reading selections and genres and let them run with it. Those are some great tips as you were talking about different genres and your, the activity with reading the first sentence, I was thinking about how I I've talked in other episodes about using books who also have a companion movie. And I was thinking about how you could like bring out five different books that, okay, all of these books also have a movie, you know, which movie would you be most excited to watch? And then like tying it back and letting them choose that way. So that could be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And especially for kids who are more motivated by the movie than they are the book, or it's really hard to get them into the book, or maybe they're struggling readers and comprehension is is challenging for them. You can show a clip from the movie and then have them read that portion of the book. And it's never going to match up fully, but that's a great conversation to have with your child. Uh, You know, why do you think the movie, I don't know, movie director, producer, whatever, why do you think they left out that scene? Or why do you think they changed that scene? Or why do you think they made that situation in the book? seem less intense in the movie. And so as a parent, that may be something, maybe you want to read the book with your child in that situation and watch the movie with your child, because it's like the story a movie tells is not necessarily the same story a book tells, even if it's the same story. Like they're going to intensify certain aspects of the book. They're going to gloss over others. And those are always really good conversations to have too. And, and it's funny because kids will get, I mean, they'll get pretty worked up. Like that's not what happened in the book. That is not what happened. Okay, great. Let's have a conversation. Why do you think that is? Do you think it was time? Like they just didn't have time to go into that? Or what what part of the story do you think was lost because they didn't focus on that? So yeah, lots of questions about that. And yeah, kids do, oh, they have opinions <laughs> about what happens with a movie versus what happened in the book. So that that's, yeah, I like that a lot too. <laughs> I think- the, the conversations that we can have with our children about the books they're reading, they're helpful academic, like here's the, for so many reasons, academically, like the comprehension and solidifying their learning, building vocabulary, just like pushing them outside of what they first thought, you know, getting them to think beyond their initial reactions and all of those skills are just so important. And then as a parent, you, you want to have that time to connect with your child and a great opportunity, like we said, to bond and sort of get some insight into how they think, you know, what they're thinking about certain topics that they might not otherwise want to tell you. Yeah. All good reasons. All right. Well, I love to end my podcast interviews by asking what book you loved, you know, what was your favorite childhood book, or it could even be a book you love using with students or a book you would just recommend. Yeah. Okay. So one of my favorite books is called The Lonely Scarecrow by Tim Preston. And I use this book. Now, let me just back up. This book is typically for, I don't know, like five or six-year-olds, I guess. But I use this book many times when I was even teaching sixth or seventh grade because it's a great way to go over concepts with kids, like words in context or making inferences. or And it's a very tactile book. You can run your fingers over the pages and it's like the raised texturized pages. I did this even with sixth and seventh graders. I would do small group instruction for reading. And some of the words in the book, even though it's written originally for very small children, some of the words in the book are kids living in the city are not going to know what a combine is. Like it's, a you know, and so there are a lot of opportunities for words in context, a lot of opportunities for character motivation. There's a lot of figurative language and imagery 
in the book. So similes and metaphors and alliteration and things like that. And so it's just, it's an easy way to reinforce those skills. And even your older kids, they don't feel like you're treating them like babies by bringing out this picture book with texturized, you know, pages, because when you start asking about what do you think this simile means, what's happening with this metaphor, combine, a combine tractor, what, like, what does that mean? It's kind of hard. It's something that I've had to lead a lot of my older students through. Yes, it's a kid's book, but there's a lot of depth in it. So um, that's one of my favorites, both as an adult and when I was a kid too. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. I, I love that. We have talked on, I think there was an episode in season two about just like the importance of using picture books or just like the value of using picture books with your older readers. And for the reasons you just mentioned, like they are, you know, they have beautiful illustrations and kids are young kids are drawn to them, but we can take, you know, the vocabulary, or like you said, some of those higher level literacy skills and make it more accessible, you know, or it's a little less intimidating, right? Yeah. And, and even with that book, you can have some pretty in-depth conversations because by the end of the book, you learn, oh, this is a book about not judging someone based on how they look. So, you know, maybe lessons that smaller children might not pick up on. You could definitely have a lesson on theme. What does, what is a theme with an older child on that book? So yeah, there's a lot that you can do with that book. So if you, like, if you're a homeschool parent and you have six kids, all broad range of ages, you can use that one book for all six of them (laughs) for different reasons. So it's, it's very versatile. It's a great tip. We homeschool our kids and they are six and 10 currently. And we're reading the land of stories to my son, Michael, which is a chapter book. And the six-year-old does not have the same, like she comes in and out of the book, but I'll find like, she's still interacting with me. You know, I'll be reading out loud in the living room. She'll come and sit for a few sentences and then she goes off and plays. And, but it's, it's really interesting to see how the different ages can still access learning from the different kinds of books. So, all right. This has been awesome, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think our listeners are really going to get a lot out of today's episode. Great. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Reading Project podcast. That was an awesome conversation with Laura. And while she has a lot of experience working with middle school and high school kids, if your your kids aren't there yet, please know that a lot of the The questions that we talked about today, you could definitely use with your upper elementary students as well. If you're talking about books, we talked about some of the reasons that you would want to have these conversations with your kids. And you might be thinking that it's just for academic reasons, or it's just to bond with your kids. And it's really a mixture of both, right? The academic reasons are that it helps tremendously with their comprehension and solidifying their learning and getting them thinking about their thinking, which is really important. But it also is a great opportunity to connect with your kids, especially if they're middle school and high school, and maybe you're feeling like you haven't been talking to them as much, or it's been harder to have those conversations. This will really give you some insight into into their mind and the way they think about things and process things. One of the best tips I heard Laura share was to remember to ask open-ended questions when you're talking with your kiddos about what they're reading. So you want to try to avoid questions that they can just answer yes or no, but that they have to give you a full response. And to remember that you don't have to have read the book in order to be able to do that. You just have to be curious about what they're reading, right? Get really curious about the book. And some key areas to focus on 
would be asking them about how things change or what the conflict is in the book. So uh, how did the character change over time? You know, ask them about is the setting the same throughout the whole book? So just getting them to sort of think about the timeline of the story, right? What happened and where did it happen and all of that. And to remember that it really doesn't have to be rigid. So anytime you're able to have these conversations with your kids is a great thing. So the more you can do it, the better. If you can set it into your life and your schedule to do it two or three times a week and really model for your kids what these conversations are going to look like, then it can start to just become a part of the culture of your family, right? Here at the Reading Project Podcast, we're all about raising readers and developing a culture of literacy. So having these conversations about books is a way to start doing that. And I loved it when Laura said to to model, right? To say to your kiddo, oh, this is the book I'm reading and I'm three chapters in and I'm not enjoying it yet. You know, I'm thinking about abandoning it, right? So you're modeling for them that reading is important because you're reading too. <laughs> and you're, you're talking to them about the book that you're reading and then passing it to them. And one way to have those conversations in a way that sort of takes the pressure off is to do that conversation while you're doing something else. So walking the dog or doing laundry, can you also touch base about their book? One of my favorite things that she suggested doing with your kids to empower them to have some choice over their books is to preview the book first by asking them to read just the first sentence of five different books. And then hopefully what you'll see happen is they'll be drawn to one, one they will want to read more. And that's just a great way for them to get excited about the book. All right, everyone. Like I said, I think we learned a lot from chatting with Laura today, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions about the episode, feel free to email me at yourreadingtutoronline at gmail.com or at info at your reading tutor. And let me know that you are listening to today's episode. Let me know that you enjoyed it by taking a screenshot, sharing it on Instagram and tag me at your reading tutor. You can also let me know if you have questions or if there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future. You can also find more about Laura at languageartsteachers.com or on Facebook. She has a Facebook group for middle school ELA teachers. So you, that's where you can find Laura if you want to work with her more in the future. All right, everyone. Until next time, keep reading. Thank you all so much for listening. It truly means the world to me. If you love this podcast and have found it helpful and you want to help us reach more families, you could do one of two things or both. Just take a screenshot and text your three best friends or teacher friends, encouraging them to check out the podcast or take a moment and head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I love reading the reviews and hearing what you're enjoying about the show and how the show is helping you at home. And I'd love to be able to give you a shout out on the show and share your review with everyone. So thanks again. Until next time, keep reading.